0: PodRocket is sponsored by LogRocket, a front-end monitoring and product analytics solution. Don't know what that is? Go to logrocket.com. Thanks. On today's episode, Ben interviews Martin Shorshich about WASP, a programming language he built with his twin brother, Mattia. You may recall seeing it at the top of Hacker News when it launched a couple months ago. Let's get started. Hey, Martin, how's it going? Hey, hi, Ben. Good, how are you? I'm doing great and really excited to have you here and learn about WASP. So to get started, could you just give us a quick introduction to what is Wasp and how does it help you build better web apps? So
1: Wasp is a programming language for building web apps 10x faster. So for example, if you want to build something like Instacart, you know, right now you need to know a dozen different technologies, connect them all together, figure out best practices. And basically Wasp makes it much easier while it still lets you use your favorite tools like uh, React, Node, similar. And Wasp is actually... A programming language, as I mentioned, but not a complete, like Turing-specific, like Python or something, it's actually like a simple configuration language.
0: Got it. So digging in there a bit, WASP configuration language, so it's like, you know, you describe it as a DSL, so that's domain-specific language, yeah, right? And as I understand it, basically, you can kind of define the structure of your app in the WASP language, and then it generates the code in React and Node and sets up all the underlying configuration. Is that relatively accurate?
1: Yeah, no, no, that's very that's really accurate. Uh, nice job. I mean, exactly what you said. So, basically, the idea is to capture the high level logic, this DSL that is that is WASP. And the idea behind that is that a lot of boring boilerplate and glue between, you know, like React, Node, Redux, and so on is removed. So, basically, for example, in this high level language, you say something like, I want authentication with Google, I want free pages, I want this deployed to AWS. And if you don't have any specific, like crazy requirements, which you could specify if you want. If you don't, that's basically enough to get you completely started and working. And as you said, yeah. So what what basically happens is our language, so DSL, Wasp, compiles together with React and Node files that you provide next to it, compiles into pure JavaScript or TypeScript code. That is the result. And then basically that code is deployed and so on. Although the generated code is not something you really care about. So it's like, it's in the background. Same like C++ compiles into assembly or something, yeah.
0: Got it. So is the idea that you would write your whole web app, all of your application logic in the WASP language, or is the idea that you define the structure of the app, WASP spits out you know, the JavaScript or TypeScript files, and then as you kind of go beyond the basic functionality of your app and you're customizing how it works,
1: then you're just editing the JavaScript code? Ah, I mean, you never touch the generated stuff that's in the, okay. in the background, Got it. but your source code is a mix of WASP files And all the usual JavaScript, like React, Node.js, you have some CSS files, Wasp just kind of pops in into your source code and removes a lot of stuff for you by specifying it in one simple Wasp file or a couple of them. So what is the generated JavaScript code that
0: Wasp spits out? Like, what does that code do? Is that the API layer code? You know, what is the function of that code that you're not touching?
1: So Wasp right now is aiming to be a full-stack solution, which means front-end, back-end, and it even covers the communication with the database. So kind of similar to what Meteor was doing or even Ruby on Rails, so like full-stack solution. I think the closest solution is Meteor. And the generated code consists of two main parts, frontend and backend, and then you also have the part that cares about the database. Yeah. Got it.
0: And so I'm curious to understand why go with a, a DSL approach, you know, creating a new language versus the all JavaScript approach that a lot of other popular full stack frameworks like uh, Blitz or Redwood or even like Next.js, like they're all JavaScript. Why go with the approach of creating
1: a new language? Sure, no, I think that's a very good question. So basically, there's two of us working on this, me and my team mm-hmm. brother, Matia, And we have been building web apps for a long time and we've used a lot of different technologies. I know first one was, of course, PHP, Backbone, Angular, Accenture, React at the end, right? And a lot of, lot of tools on the back and front end, I know, Grant, uh, Gulp, Webpack, right? Everything. Mm-hmm. And w- one thing that was, that was kind of peculiar to us was that a lot of technologies are changing, everything is changing, but what remains the same is, what you need to build. Like the web app 10 years ago was the same thing, basically. It was some crude, it was uh, authentication system, uh, access control, pages, view logic, and so on. So our thought was going in the direction of, okay, you know what? We are always describing the same things in the newer technology, which is cool. Technology has to advance. But why do we always have to we learn complicated stuff to basically implement something re- relatively simple. I actually remember explaining to a bioinformatician at that point how it takes two months to build a web app of certain capacity. And I just couldn't explain it. Why does it take two months? Because it, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It sounds simple, right? Then why DSL? So starting from that, our idea was, okay, all that basic stuff you know, that is common in all web applications... Why not capture that into something that's not really bound to implementation? Because JavaScript is implementation, right? You can implement your web app in JavaScript, in Python, in in Ruby, whatever, right? But basically, the language you are using to describe it, I want four pages, I want this route to go there. It's not really anyhow connected to that specific technology, right? So the idea was, okay, how about we create a very simple language, which looks almost like JSON, but with some extra things where you describe super, super easy stuff like that. And then you can pick whatever technology you want to implement the specific logic. You know, if you have some complicated component UI, fine. React is probably the best solution right now for that. Same like CSS is, although it's not great, it's still the best solution for describing the styling, right? So yeah, I I think that was the main main idea behind it. I mean, Mati and I, we have computer science background. We have master's in computer science, and we have been building uh, languages before during university. So I guess it was also somewhat closer to us that we might try doing something like that. And comparing to Blitz and Redwood, we love Blitz and Redwood because they're very similar to us. They're also trying to provide you a way to build a monolithic web app where a lot of the things is already decided for you, very easy to start, a lot of things provided out out of the box. But our idea was there is no reason to be stuck in JavaScript. Like We can go one level above, we can do stuff during compile time. And I could go deeper into this, so I will stop here and then, then you can ask me more questions.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm curious to hear you continue, because like I understand at high level why go with the DSL, but there yeah. are a lot of drawbacks, right? Like it is something new for people to learn. And you know, JavaScript for better or worse is the language of the web. Like as of now, it's kind of the only choice realistically for, for building the front end of a web app. Obviously at back end you have a, you know Python and Ruby or a million different choices, but JavaScript is front-end at this time, sure. maybe down the road with WebAssembly and kind of some of these other technologies that are starting to make progress. There, There is a future where there are many choices on the front-end, but today JavaScript. So like you're starting
1: to say something there and curious to hear that. So, I mean, main idea behind the DSL is, as I kind of mentioned, is that we are not bound to specific technologies. So JavaScript is, okay, right now the main language on the front-end, but on the back-end, people are using a lot of things, right? Some languages are better for some things, some are not. Our idea was also, why would you have to be in JavaScript on the backend? You could use, if you want Go, you could use Python. Like in Wasp, right now, it Wasp supports just JavaScript. But for us, it's relatively simple to support also different languages. So that's, for example, one idea. Another thing is that with DSL, I mean, as you mentioned, it is one more thing to learn, but actually it's super simple to learn. I guess I'm a programmer, so it's probably not like as simple. But for me, it's almost like human language <laughs> when you look at it because it's it's super simple. It's basically, you have a keyword page. You have a keyword route. There's nothing to get wrong there, right? Actually, with DSL, we believe we can get the optimal ergonomics we can possibly get because we are designing this language, right? For example, uh, Ruby and Rails, of course, you know, they're not anymore such full-stack solution as it was maybe before when everything was on, on the server because they are in Ruby. This went to, to JavaScript at the front end, right? And so on. I mean, Fed Client happened on the on the front end. And there is no way for for framework in Ruby to capture all that in in, in a super nice and ergonomical way, although they're actually doing it pretty well still. With the DSL, there is just no constrictions. Like we can do whatever we want. If you want to capture multiple backends, microservices, whatever, we we could also do that. So I would say at this early point, there is not so much difference between us and the Redwood and Blitz. But our big vision is that with the DSL, we are kind of paving the way to have a lot of power to do whatever we want, basically, both regarding ergonomics and how far can we go with Wasp. So I want to talk
0: through kind of the, the core components of any kind of modern web app and talk about the tools you chose that are kind of implemented under the hood in Wasp. So for example, it sounds like React is kind of your default choice for view layer, node for server-side code environment. I think you use Prisma for yep. uh, database querying. So. Curious to talk through those choices. Any other kind of default choices that you chose? I'm curious about auth layer, API layer. Like can we talk through some of the tools you chose to build
1: on and why? Sure, sure. I mean you said everything correctly. I mean for us it makes sense to have a technology or or something that's used for view logic, then you have logic on the back end, you have something to deal with the database. And for that, yeah, we have basically three pretty things, React, Node, and Prisma. I mean, there is no reason why we couldn't do something else also, but we just chose the solutions that are used the most right now. And that's mostly it. I mean, I think using Node with React makes a lot of sense because it enables people to use just one language. And Prisma, I mean, Prisma is interesting. I think Prisma is great for us. They're a really good fit because they are, they, they're also actually using uh, some kind of DSL. They actually have a Prisma schema language for describing the database models and so on. And for us, that was just perfect because our, our idea was actually to do something similar on our own. So we would have like a part of DSL would be about describing the models. We actually call them entities and then you can use them both in your database and through the code. And Prisma is already doing that with their Prisma schema language. So, so that was awesome. We basically just integrated Prisma directly into our language and you're writing Wasp and then you just write a little bit of Prisma schema language and then you go on. So that was a great fit. I mean, we were actually exploring GraphQL also as a solution for describing this stuff because they also have way to describe models and so on. But I mean, at this point, we found them to be maybe somewhat too general for our use case. Prisma was the better fit. And regarding the communication between the front-end and back-end. So right now we are going like full monolith, which means there is no API that's officially exposed. I think probably soon we we will have like official, this is what your API looks like so you can consume it from the outside. But right now we are using a form of RPC. So basically you, you define a function in Node, and suddenly you can call that same function on the front end. And what we basically do in the background is we provide the REST API and functions on the front end, which are, which are consuming that REST API. It's actually very similar to what Blitz is also doing.
0: And what's your approach to like authentication and
1: security around accessing those APIs? Right now... We provide authentication directly in Wasp. So you have like a special keyword, which is out. (laughs) And you say Mm -hmm. out, and I want to use, you specify keyword, which describes the provider right now. It's only email and password. And we generate the whole authentication for you. In the background, we are using JWT tokens. So nothing super fancy. I mean, I think that's the best solution. And that's it so far. I mean, the idea is, of course, to provide possible integrations with like out zero or maybe some external providers and provide more. Authentication options you know, with Google, GitHub, and so on. We still don't have yet, but yeah, that, that's on the roadmap.
0: So you know, on that subject of roadmap, curious to hear like, what does the next year look like for Wasp? You know, what are some of the kind of larger projects or
1: features coming to Wasp that you're excited about? For us, I think the, what we are excited the most is just like, simplifying the app development as much as possible. And I guess this is where DSL excites us a lot. There's a ton of things to work on <laughs> because Wasp is still in alpha. I would say even like in early alpha. So one big thing for us that's happening right now is that we're just, we just finished a Y Combinator batch and right now we are actually fundraising. So the plan is actually with the funds raised to hire a couple of engineers and then with that core team develop toward 1.0 in the next year. And the main features, I mean, it's mostly just getting to 1.0. It's mostly providing features that we are still missing. Like right now we support only JavaScript. We certainly want to support TypeScript. We want to have server-side rendering. A lot of the stuff I already mentioned and since we are building a DSL, there is actually some extra work around the tooling to get it working properly, you know, like uh, support in Visual Studio code and so on. We have something right now, something I patched in one day, <laughs> but that's not good <laughs> enough. So, so the, the idea is, of course, to build like a proper language server that follows language server protocol and, and yeah.
0: I'm curious, kind of completely different tangent, what was it like participating in Y Combinator and would you recommend applying and, you know, if accepted, going to Y Combinator for other framework or dev tools type companies?
1: Of course. Mattia and I have been in startup scene for some time now and Y Combinator is one of the top accelerators out there. It's, I mean, there's a lot of benefits, right? The biggest benefits are networking because you meet a lot of ambitious people who are building something. A lot of them are very technical, and you can have interesting discussions both on the business and tech side. Plus, you get awesome mentors who have seen similar things many, many times, and they can help you very quickly. For us, we started Wasp from the problem we had before, because we have been building a lot of web apps, and we wanted to make it easier for others. Our idea is that if Wasp is to become something really big, that it would be good to create a business around it, so we can support it with a core team of engineers and so on. Although I think that's pretty clear, but Wasp is open source. But the idea is to provide additional kind of products on top, for example, for enterprise use cases and so on.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, you may not have a completely concrete answer for this, but curious, like long-term plans, you know, how to monetize this. And so it sounds like enterprise features, do you have any kind of specific enterprise features in mind? Or it's something where you're now focusing on just like building a great product, getting a lot of users, and then kind of figuring out how to monetize the enterprise side down the road?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think both is correct. So we have an (laughs) idea of what the monetization be, but right now we are focusing on, I think in the next year, it will be just getting to 1.0 and getting the community and something that people find valuable and use every day and so on. Regarding the monetization, idea is to follow what others are doing. Maybe the closest is Terraform. By the way, Terraform Mm -hmm. is also DSL. (laughs) So that's cool. Yeah, so having an open source and then providing enterprise features. So, so, So for example, what Terraform is doing, they have like a Terraform cloud which is either hosted by them or you can host on-prem for your organization. And very initial idea for Wasp is to go with something similar. So, I mean, one cool thing is with, you know, DSL and so on, we are capturing the whole like end-to-end workflow of, of developer. And the idea is, okay, then we can also provide the smoothest and nicest experience of hosting it, monitoring it, logging errors and so on, right? And that would be kind of the idea behind Wasp Cloud. And in the enterprise, yeah, something similar, but then with all the needed integrations and probably single sign-on and features like that, yeah. But as you said, that's something we are still learning about.
0: And one question I think about like when trying to get, especially enterprise-type companies to adopt a, a new tool, is like the risk of getting locked into something that is proprietary to an extent. And I know it's open source, but just curious, like... If I build my app in Wasp and then, you know, you stop developing Wasp for whatever reason down the road, like how locked in am I or do I have the ability to eject, so to speak, all of the JavaScript and React code and just build on that?
1: Sure. I mean, on one hand, it's open source. That's correct. On the other hand, we actually have like an eject option. As I mentioned before, Wasp is generating the code. Cool thing is that code is not super scrambled. So it's actually human readable. And right now it looks pretty nice. So you can actually eject it and go with that code and continue I mean it's not 100% as if a senior engineer wrote it but it's probably like 90% which is I think very good maybe with some small adjustments you are there I have to admit it will be a challenge keeping that in the future with all the advancements on the on the wasp but so far we succeeded so yeah we are we are optimistic so curious to learn a bit about your
0: approach to building community and you know driving adoption You know, how are you promoting Wasp? How are you generating interest? And, you know, maybe what are some of the challenges there on the
1: promotion side? Sure. That's always an interesting topic. I mean, Mattia and I, you know, we are developers. And I would say our initial strategy some time ago was, you know, build it and they will come, right? (laughs) We learned learned at some point (laughs) that's not necessarily true. And some promotion does help. But I would say with Wasp, we are not doing anything very unusual. So we are mostly active on Reddit, on Hacker News, posting there about our progress also trying, of course, to participate in stuff that is not Wasp. And that is mostly it. I mean, the greatest success we had on Reddit so far and we had like a top post on on Hacker News and we were also number one on the product hunt, product of the day. And right now we have our Discord community where we are collecting all the people who want to participate in Wasp. So that's great. I think we have about 200 members right now. I mean, we are still learning a lot here about, you know, managing the community and engaging people and so on. But yeah, I think for now we are super happy. And what we are also trying to do We're actually trying to ramp up on that right now, but, you know, produce basically valuable content on our blog and then share that, which is cool because on the one hand, you help people and on the other hand, you get them to learn about you.
0: You know, we we talked a bit earlier about competitors. You know, we've actually had folks from Blitz and Redwood on the podcast. And so I, I really enjoyed learning about those tools in the past and curious to hear a bit more like your pitch to why go with Wasp versus blitz or or redwood or there's a a couple of others even that
1: i don't even know about but i I know there's a lot of people you know kind of innovating in this space no no that's a good question i mean to be honest when i learned about redwood and blitz i was actually excited because it meant somebody else thinks this is a good direction (laughs) so that's great because competition is in that sense always good i mean I, i think it's good to have competition we're all i guess learning from each other and i think this is a huge space as i said we have somewhat different philosophy than redwood and blitz due to uh, using this DSL approach. And to be honest, I think with time, it will take us in different direction. I think it will be clearer with time what are the bigger differences. So yeah, as I said, I'm super excited about them doing that. And I think they're really providing a lot of value to developers, but we are also trying not to compare ourselves too much, just do our thing and that's it. Cool. And more broadly,
0: outside of Wasp and kind of your roadmap, what are you most excited about in the world of
1: web dev and over the next few years? Like, What are you hoping to see? Actually, I'm very excited about Prisma. We are using them, I know, but uh, I really like how they're simplifying everything. I mean, for me, I have done a lot of web development, but I have also been doing other kinds of development, backend, frontend, even some embedded development. And the main thing for me is I always want to spend as much time I can on writing business logic and as little time on writing stuff that somebody else already wrote, you know, border plate configuration and so on. So I'm excited about all the solutions that are basically solving that removing all the boring stuff so yeah in that sense i'm excited about redwood i'm excited about blitz prisma vercel gatsby all of them are i think going in that direction
0: so martin thanks so much for coming on the podcast it's been really cool learning about wasp and i'm definitely going to
1: check it out awesome no thank you for inviting me i mean i have been reading a lot of log rocket blog posts so yeah i was super excited to be here thank you
0: hi thanks for listening please remember to like subscribe Email me if you want, even though none of you do. Go to logrocket.com and try it out. It's free to try. Then it costs money. But yeah,
1: we'll see you next time. Thanks.